Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. I want to uh, continue our series this morning on humans, but before I hop into that, um, I want to give you a recap and also tell you, um, if, if you haven't been following um, Asbury University this week, you need to. It's been fun to watch. Um, there has been just a revival is the only thing I know how to call it that has just broken out on that campus. And so what started as a normal chapel service on Wednesday um, is still not not over this morning. So they've uh, gone into 100 plus hours of singing and testimony and speaking and communion. And I'm sure there'll be hundreds of baptisms in the next week. And so you can follow that. I'm really surprised because it's, 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 it's a Baptist college and I can't believe that the Lord poured his spirit out upon the Baptist community. Um, I mean, you know, those guys don't, don't even raise their hands, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, let's just join in with them and pray uh, for them. The same exact thing happened to them in 1970, and they actually founded the college off of that move of God in 1970, and now it has come back to that. And so, man, I'm praying, God, send that here, and um, let us be a part of something great, too. So, Asbury uh, University in Kentucky. We've been in a, in a series the past couple of weeks called Humans, and uh, the gist um, of this series has been to really uh, talk out some of, of the deep challenges about being human, and I know that that list is very exhaustive, um, and so what, what, what we've tried to do is just pick some of the heavy hitters that we are faced with on a daily basis and so week one, we talked about reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled? Um, what does it mean to um, be involved in a relationship that has experienced some turmoil? And is God wanting to put it back together? Is he wanting to bring restoration to that? Last week, we talked about issues of lordship. So we talked about... Um, what does it mean to give God all of it, um, every piece of your life, to not withhold anything? Um, how does that play out in Scripture? How does it play out with your daily life? And so to look at um, our journey of faith and go, what does it really mean for me to commit that Jesus is Lord over all of it, over my house, my, my career, my future, my, my, my past? And this is his gift to us is a gift of, of lordship. Today, I am going uh, to tackle a, a topic that is not um, fun sometimes. We don't enjoy necessarily talking about it, but we probably should. And so I'm going to be talking today about tackling your temper, tackling your temper. And I'm gonna look at this emotion of anger and what does it mean uh, biblically to have it? And so hopefully today when you, when you walk out, uh, you're gonna have a better view scripturally of what we're supposed to do with this emotion. 
I want to start with just an open-ended thought, and I don't want you to raise your hand or, or make, make a noise or point at anybody, um, but I want to ask you, have you ever been extremely angry at something or someone? I also want to ask you, have you ever been so angry that you embarrassed yourself? That maybe after you were so angry, you calmed down and once things got back to normal, you thought, oh my goodness, I just want to rewind that. Now I got to go clean this up. I got to go have conversations I don't want to have. I've got to humble myself. I've got to apologize. I've got to repent before God. I've, I've got to do all of these things. And um, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I sure have. And um, maybe you were so angry at some point that you hurt someone or you quit a job or you quit a church or you quit a relationship. You were just like, I am out. This is so dumb. I am so mad at you. I can't even be in the same building as you are. And, and you were just seething with anger. Well, I'm not an angry person, but I've been angry. Um, my, my sister uh, was, was dating this guy. She eventually married him. And uh, I'm just going to refer to him as this guy. And so uh, she uh, was dating him. I didn't like him. He didn't like, like me. And so he was coming over to our, our home. I guess this was uh, a type of, of flirting in the 90s. I don't know. But he would come over to our home and he would put for sale signs in our yard. So uh, he would put the uh, number for my dad on there and people would call, hey, I, I hear you, your home is for sale. And he'd be like, no, my home is not for sale. He'd get, well, you got a sign in your yard. And then he would just do it over and over and over. And for some reason, man, I was so irritated at that. How dare you try to sell my dad's house, you know? And so I decided as a young teen, I was going to just tame him a little bit. So I got on top of the roof of our house with a classic Daisy 880 pellet gun. And for those of you men who were raised in this age, this is the, the great gun that you can just pump and pump and pump and pump until your chest hurts. I mean, you know, it's like you're, you're shaking, trying to get that last pump in. And you, you can load that thing up. And so what I decided to do was put a pellet on, on the end. And then like a muzzle loader, I was going to dump about 50 BBs down the barrel. So I did that, and I just waited on him to come by. And sure enough, he came by with his signs, and man, I lit into him. I mean, he was dancing and jumping around. And then I thought, you know, maybe I should move from him to his car. So I started shooting his car and the glass in his car, and I ended up breaking a couple of windows in his car. And so he was mad, and he came inside, and he told my, my dad what happened. You know, Kevin's up on the roof and he shot me and he shot the car and he broke out some windows and, and, and my, my dad said something, uh, you know, well, you know, you should probably go get a for sale sign then and put on it. Um, so uh, he had my, my back on it. <laughs> and uh, to this day, it's therapeutic. I mean, it just feels so good talking it out, you know. Uh, but... The Bible is clear, though, that anger in its worst forms creates a lot of damage. I think if we look at our lives, the lives of people close to us, we've seen the damage that anger can certainly put out there. Psalm, or Proverbs, rather, 29, 11 says, only a fool will give full vent to his anger. 
Okay, one version says uh, only a fool just lets it all go. Okay, um, so it's it's like you know you you're gonna be angry, but what do you do with it is equally important. And so let me give you a few facts I found about anger. You may disagree with these. These are obviously just research-based, and it comes from a, a very small pool of people. But on, on average, a woman, it says, will lose her temper about three times a week. Some of you are above average. And so, but it says about three times a week. On average, a man will lose his temper about six times a week. Uh, you're probably below average a little bit too. Women get angry more often at people while men get angry more often at things, uh, they will talk to objects like a car or a lawnmower or a chainsaw. Um, anger is expressed more toward our family members and those closest to us than to strangers or coworkers or people in the, in the community. We will take um, the full version of our anger out on people who we live with the most. And so I think though that we also have to preface this talk by saying, that anger is not always an inappropriate response. Anger is a, a God-given emotion. You, you can be uh, angry and it could save your life. You can be angry and it be appropriate. Um, being angry at something can reveal great character. It can reveal how much you care about something. Don't mess with my family. Don't mess with my kids. Don't mess with, with my country. David looked at, at Goliath and said, you're not going to talk about my God this way. And that started that, that whole thing to flesh out. So as a matter of fact, we want the church to be angry about some things, about injustice or abuse or hunger or be angry that some children do not have a home to live in. Those are things that we should have a righteous anger about. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, there are 375 examples of God being angry, and in every one of them, in all 375 of those, he's right. He's justified. And so uh, Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, when you get angry, do not sin. Okay, so th this is, is big for us. He says when, not don't be angry, uh, don't, don't, don't do it, it's, it's a command, fight that, you know, stay away from it. But he says when it happens to you, don't let it be in sin. All right, so I just want to take pause for a moment and let, let that set in because I want you to know that you may be going through some things right now where you're angry. You're upset, and it's tethered to other, other things, like, like you're hurt, therefore you're angry. You feel rejected, therefore you're angry. You feel taken advantage of, therefore you're angry. And so I want you to just be sure that you are filtering that correctly and making sure that there's justification in it, in, in your anger, that you're not just seething for no reason. So scripture obviously is implying that there is a way to experience anger and it not be sin. But there's an unlimited amount of uses for our anger where it is sin, where it's harmful, where it's unhealthy, where it's destructive. Some of those are self-centered anger. That's sinful. 
Like I want something to happen, I want it to happen now, I'm gonna kick down doors and burn bridges and do whatever I, I've got to do to rally you to my cause, to my feelings, to the way I see the world and I'm going to do my best. If I gotta get loud, if I gotta hit something, if I've got a curse to do it, I, I'm, I'm gonna communicate anger and I want you to move and to jump when I say jump. That is self-centered anger and it's sinful. There is uncontrolled anger where even the person themselves thinks afterward, that was not me and I'm so sorry and it won't happen again and it's terrible. I don't know why, it just, it's explosive and it comes on me out of, out of nowhere and it's, it's sad to them, it's sad to you, it's sad to whoever else caught the shrapnel of that and so it's just ugly and it's scary and it's uncontrolled and it's sinful. There's also like murderous and revengeful anger. Like I'm gonna hurt you and I'm gonna hurt the people you care about because I'm so angry. And the Bible is chocked full of those examples of people being revengeful. Saying so because you did this, I'm going to do that and that is sinful. Proverbs 25, 28 tells us if you cannot control your anger, he says you're as helpless as a city without walls. And in this language, this would have been an easy defeat. This was the language in that culture that said, you know, this is like fighting a bear with a switch. You just, you're defenseless. You've gotta be able to control your anger. Doc Rivers, the coach, said in an interview that his dad taught him, he says, when you are angry at someone, they own you. He said he told us this our whole lives. And he said he told us this on the premise of going, be sure that you are training yourself to let stuff go quickly, easily. Let it run off of you. Don't harbor those things because when you are seething about something or someone, the ownership belongs to them. Now, if we bring doctrine into this, we know as believers our ownership is in Christ. Scripture tells us we were bought with a price. We are not our own. So do not transfer that ownership from Christ and hand it to someone else. You're going to be able to control me. You're gonna be able to control my sleep. I'm gonna give you a whole lot of mental real estate where you are, where I'm thinking about you and this circumstance and what happened and so on. And the truth is, and this is very sad, but I, I, I know this from just talking with people daily, is that people have the ability to store and hold on to anger for decades. They can be mad at people who are actually no longer here. I remember the very first time I was talking to someone and they were so upset with a parent. And they were just, oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. And they, and they, and they, and they had all these examples. And a lot of them, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was very sympathetic with it. I was connecting with them. I was like, man, this is awful. So where are they? And they said, oh, they, they died like 10 years ago. But there was this, this volcanic anger in them that was so destructive because ownership had transferred 
completely away from the Father and his, his love for them and his plan for them. And suddenly it was this lateral movement, this handing off of their life to someone who was no longer with us presently. It's very sad. Again, Scripture is full of people who give us great examples of anger out of control. The first one is obviously Cain, this explosive anger. We don't really know where it comes from, but he was so upset with God. He was so upset with his brother. We don't know if it was humiliation. We don't know if it was rejection. We don't know all that was involved there, but an explosive type of anger will mow you down. You don't have to guess if that person is upset because it's very expressive. In Genesis 4 and 5, it says, Cain became furious and he scowled in anger, like his face was communicating how upset he was. And it says, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and he killed him over a sacrifice. People who attack oftentimes self-describe as a ticking bomb. And they say, and then it's, it's just over. Like once, once the explosion is done, it's over. And the next day, they may feel fine. So they think everyone else should feel fine. But what they don't realize is the shrapnel that they've left into everyone around them, including their kids. It's an explosive type of anger. Jeremiah, the prophet, he was an angry person, but he was the opposite of Cain. His, he bottled up. And some of you might be bottlers. The dangerous thing about a bottler is you think they're safe to be around. And if you're married to a bottler, you know what I'm talking about. That first time you opened that two liter of Coke and threw a whole thing of Mentos in it, just went everywhere. Like you were like, hey, I was just asking if you were tired. And suddenly it's everywhere. This is what Jeremiah was. They called him the weeping prophet. And they called him this because he cried so much and he held his anger in until it leaked out in tears. Jeremiah 15 says, I stayed by myself and I was filled with anger. Sometimes, man, when you're angry, being by yourself is not the smartest thing because then your thoughts become the best thought in the room and you're able to just ruminate about what you think and why you're mad and why it all happens the way it, it, it is happening. The thing about somebody who is a bottler is they don't become violent, but they become silent. They're quiet. They give you a silent treatment as we've, we've deemed it. I'm so mad, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm not gonna talk to God. I'm not gonna talk to the kids. I may take a couple of days off from work. Why? Because I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm so mad, I'm just quiet. It's like this calm before a storm. There's also the prodigal son type of, of, of anger. This is the kind of anger where people want to be a martyr. Like they want to tell their story so that they can get a crowd around them and say, I want other people to be mad with me. The martyrs are pros at holding a pity party. 
they announce it, they send out an invitation on Instagram, join me, I'm so mad. We've all seen those posts. Martyrs are always passive. They always have a victim mentality. They include things like they forgot about me, everyone's against me, nobody wants me around. It's this soundtrack of negativity that constantly plays. And a biblical example of martyr mentality would also be the older brother from the prodigal son. Now this one we really can um, attach ourselves to. If you remember, the father in this story has two sons. One comes and says, hey, I want my half of the inheritance and then I'm going to leave and he leaves and he parties and he squanders and he runs out of money and he says, hey, I'm just gonna go home and ask my dad for a job. He shows up, the dad throws a party and older brother is angry. And here's why. And the older brother, as I've preached to you many times, is you and me. Because we're like, hey, we've been here the whole time and we've been smart. And we've been loyal. And now you're going to throw him a party? And he gets mad. And scripture tells us in Luke chapter 15, verse 28, he says, the elder brother was so angry, he would not go in. So his father came out and he pleaded with him. Now, nobody look around when I ask you this question, okay? But do you know anyone who is this touchy? Like they have to be pleaded with. They've got to be pampered. Please come back. Okay, please, please come back in the house. The neighbors are calling. It's getting weird. Just come back in. Please, 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 please. I make everybody miserable. I don't know if you guys ever had one of these growing up, but I remember one specifically. We were on our way to church, and my parents were having it out. Has anybody ever, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> How many of you this morning know? <laughs> if you have, just stand up, just stand up. If you fought this, just stand up. We're gonna pray over this morning. They were having it out. I remember my sister and I, we were looking at each other like, I don't know if we need to be going to church today. Like Satan is in the car. And we pulled up to the church. My father is furious. My mom is furious. We're scared to death. And my dad turns around and he goes, we're going to get out of this car and we are going to put a smile on. Everybody smile. We were all like, and we're going to go in this house and we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to be happy about it. We were like, okay. You know, we all file out and we walk in and it was so weird because we'd all just been in this huge knockdown drag out. It's martyrdom. Please, please, please get it together. Don't embarrass us. And this is what anger feels like sometimes. It's embarrassing. So I want to talk this out for just a moment about what are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do when we have those days? What are we supposed to do if like, if you're personality right now is in this place of detriment and you're like man you're describing me to a T like this is this is my what my grandparents did and what my parents did and now what we do and this just feels so generational 
Let me give you some very practical things to think out this morning. The first one would, would be this. To realize the cost of anger before you're angry. Realize what it would cost you to freak out. Realize what it costs you when you decide to talk this particular way before you get angry. Let me give you some scripture. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry person causes trouble. And a person with a quick temper, watch this, sins a lot. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's a lot. Proverbs 15, 18. Hot tempers cause arguments. Everybody say amen. Proverbs 14, 29. Anger causes mistakes. Mistake is simply this. It's the same word right there that is the word. Sin, it means missing the mark. Anger causes me to miss it. It causes you to miss it. Whatever you intended to get done, you missed it. Whatever your goal as a family is, you miss it. Whatever you're trying to communicate to your spouse, you've missed it. When we get angry. Proverbs 14, 27, he says, people with hot tempers do foolish things. You guys may not re remember this. This is actually just a little bit before my time too, but there was an Ohio State football coach named Woody Hayes. He had a great career as a coach, and he was known, a lot like Bobby Knight, he was known to be angry, always. His players talked about it. The staff talked about it. And in the Gator Bowl in 1978, he got so mad, he walked onto the field. He walks across the field to the opponent, to the opponent's sideline and punches another player that was not his player. Not that it would have mattered. But he punches. Now, he immediately resigns and it ended his career. And the sad part is this. The rest of his life, people do not remember his winning percentage and what he did for the Ohio State football program. They remembered him as, that's the guy who punched a player. And we've seen this play out many times in modern times. We identify someone as one act can do it. I had a mentor one time, and he, he told me this. He said, Kevin, listen, it takes a lifetime to build integrity and a moment to lose it. It's exactly what happened to Woody, Woody Hayes. The second thing I would talk out would, would, would be this. Restrain your remarks. Oftentimes, we forget about the power of just keeping something in your head. Keep it in there. It'll calm. It'll soothe. You will talk yourself off a ledge. Not everything you think needs to come out of your mouth. Somebody say amen. Okay? You can have those thoughts. Now, they need to come in the front door and out the back door. But you're going to have them. Restrain them. Restrain your, your, your words. Proverbs 21, 23, he says, If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. 
Now, I have seen this play out many times, but I think it may be because of adrenaline. But when people are angry, they are brilliant. They will say some of the most hurtful and most sarcastic things that they could not think of 20 minutes ago. Why? Because they are so amped up. They get so creative. They get so unrestrained. And third, I'm gonna wrap, wrap up with this. We must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I believe if Paul were in the house today, this would be his big hook. He would say, you know, as believers, this is one of the things that sets us apart is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so he's, it's not that you cannot be angry. Don't just don't sin in it. Let the Holy Spirit control your life. Last year, Four million wives were physically beaten by their husbands. And 10 million children were physically beaten by their parents. This is a root problem in the heart of mankind. Unrestrained, uncontrolled, explosive anger. It's hurtful. One sociological research report came out and said that the number one place people lose their temper the most is on vacation. Why? Because that's what Disney World does. That's what it does. That's why I don't go. That's why I didn't take my kids there because I want to be married. Galatians 5, let me end with this. 19 of chapter 5, he says... Watch this. The acts of sinful nature are this. He says sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft. Those are some heavy hitters, right? I mean, witchcraft. And in the same verse, this is verse 20, he says, and fits of rage. Man, it's like two commas away from witchcraft. Pretty big. And he goes on in verse 22 and he says, but... The fruit of the Spirit, watch this, that, that's, those of us being impacted and controlled by the Spirit is love and joy, and as it relates to this message, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to control it. I'm going to be in control of those thoughts, of my words, of my actions, of my hands, all of it. I'm going to be in control of my, my, my tongue. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold this in. I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to strike out. I'm going to go to bed tonight with a clear conscience, knowing that tomorrow I don't have to clean anything up. I don't have to get a contractor bag and go around tomorrow and, and sweep up around the office because I'm going to be self-controlled. So to summarize Galatians and this comparison of our lives to fruit, very simple here, okay? To summarize it, if you were an orange and I squeezed you, what comes out? What's in you? What's alive in you right now? What would drip to the floor and run through my hands when you're under pressure? So I guess I would, I would end this with, with this, okay? Be angry, but don't sin. Aim it in the right directions. Aim it in things that change the world, that change your family, that protect people. 
Be angry. Do not sin. Don't fall apart. Don't lose your faith over it. Be angry. Don't stay angry. Let it come and go. Let it serve its purpose and let it work its way out of you. So if you're here today and you've been mad a decade, it's too long. If you're here today and you're angry and you look back at your life and this is a cycle, it's repetitive and you, you're okay for a while and then you destroy something and you've, you're losing friends and, and jobs and your church hopping and you're, you're going from, from city to city because you just go into a city and you're just destructive. It's time to talk to God about this. It's time to admit there is something in you that is toxic that you have not worked on, that you have not let the Holy Spirit have control over. And true love and joy and peace and gentleness and all those other great fruits can never survive on the branches of your life until you deal with that seething anger. Today's the day. you got to tackle it. Tackle your temper. With the Holy Spirit, okay? Let me, let me pray over us. Father, I love you today. I'm, I'm thankful to be in the house of God with the people of God. And Lord, there may be people right now who feel challenged by this. Who may feel embarrassed or ashamed. But Lord, today, right now, what we pray for is not shame and not embarrassment. We just want the conviction of the Spirit. And Lord, if that person is here today, who's got an identifiable cycle in their life of hurting others, of hurting their environment, of hurting their children. God, we just repent today and we ask you to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. Let self-control come to their house. Heal them. Deliver them. Free them from situations of the past, hurts of the past, trauma of the past, that they may serve you with love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness. Be angry and sin not is our prayer today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. 